Vav. And we're learning this Chosavar for Shlema for Harav Yosef Yitzhak Metzima Chasya. And the Eloi Nishmas, our dear friend Masha Bash Shmuel Meir. Lech Lecha Gimel. Uh, like a number of other sikhas that we learned recently, this one could definitely benefit from a flow chart and uh, cells where we could put the information in and see how the Rebbe unfurls layer after layer. But alas, I'm not capable, or at least I don't think I'm capable, or as my kids would say, I'm too lazy to think I'm capable of creating those charts. So ergo, no chart. Aleph. Binagayel Parshas Lech Lecha. Regarding our parsha, parsha's lachlacha, Yedua imrasei shalchayik merichami admar b'shem aviv chayik admar marshab nishmasei eden. It's well known the aphorism, the saying of my father-in-law, the Holy Rebbe, that he cited in the name of his father, the Holy Rebbe Rashab. Parsha's bereshis he parsha's smecha. Parsha's bereshis is a joyous, it's a happy parsha. God created worlds and creatures, creations. But the end of the parsha is not so sweet. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, in the aggregate, generally speaking, parsha's bereshis is a joyous parsha. Parsha's noyach, aisekes b'mabel. Parsha's noyach is all about Flood, the deluge, and that is a somber, upsetting parsha. But at the end, we have happiness. Because Avram Avinu is born. But the truly joyous parsha, who be parsha's lechlecha, is this week's parsha of lechlecha. Because every day of this Parsha, we live with Avram Avinu. The entirety of the Parsha is about Avram Avinu, and therefore it is a joyous Parsha. From the fact that my father-in-law underscored that Lech Lecha, specifically Lech Lecha, is the truly joyous Parsha, Nikar, it's recognized and understood, that even the end of Parshas Noyach, albeit it being about the birth of Avram Avinu, but we don't have the true and complete Simcha, like we have in this week's Parsha of Lech Lecha. And why is this the case? The reason is to keep on because all themes, all um, happenings found in one parsha are connected to one another. So, because of the absence of simcha, that is generally um, the the overarching feeling of parsha's noyach, which is about the destruction of the universe. So even though the end of the Parsha, yes, is about the birth of Abraham, but because everything in a Parsha is linked and because overall the Parsha is, is a sad one, so even the end of the Parsha, which is about something joyous, is missing. Joy. 
And in like fashion, the same is true regarding Parsha's Brashas. Although in the aggregate, Parsha's Brashas is a joyous Parsha, but because at the end it's not so sweet at all, so there is missing, um, there's a deficit in the, in the true simcha for the entire parsha. So in other words, the Rebbe is saying that unless the entire parsha is, um, is, is joyous, because a parsha is of one cloth, so it's going to impact even the joyous parts of the parsha. And so now, once we understand that, we have to understand something else. If we're going to say that in the aggregate, Parshas Barishas is a joyous one, and Parshas Nayach is generally speaking a somber, disheartening, upsetting Parsha, so we might say, we might posit that it would seem that the Parsha should have been divided a little bit differently in the following fashion. So the unhappy part at the very end of Parsha's Barashas should have been part of Noyach. It should have been the beginning of Parsha's Noyach. And the end of Parsha's Noyach um, that is joyous which is latest of Ramavinu, the birth of Ramavinu, that should have been the beginning of Parshas Lechlecha. And then it would have been neat, and then it would have been organized. We would have had a happy Parsha, we would have had a somber Parsha, and then we would have had the ultimate happiness. But here it seems that we have a joyous Parsha that is tinged with unhappiness, and it therefore infects the whole Parsha. Then we have a Parsha that's an overall sad. There's no other way to put it. There's a little bit of happiness, but it doesn't ameliorate the overwhelming sadness. And so it looks like there could have been a way of adjusting this. But no, that's not what happens. And the Rebbe is going to explain. Base. And so generally speaking, the explanation is as follows. Yadua. It's well known. It's well known that from the time of Avram Avinu, and we already said that the superlative quality of Lech Lecha is that we live with Avram Avinu every single day of the week. It's with Avram Avinu that there began the 2000 year era of Torah. So this is a reference to a famous Gemara that says that there, the first there was 2000 years of chaos, taihu. Then there's 2000 years of Torah that begins with Avram Avinu. And that is followed by 2000 years of Mashiach. So the Rebbe says that we know that the Shnei Alafim of Torah start with Avram, he was the first of the Avais that began the preparation for Matan Terah. And people familiar with the Rebbe's Terah know 
because there's so many sikhs on this theme, that the greatness of Matan Torah was not new information. In fact, the Gemara tells us that the Abbas had all of the information, and they taught that information. The greatness was rather the fusing of the celestial heights with the mundane, earthy universe. That was the greatness of Matan Torah, the chibor al the connection between the exalted heights and the lowly depth. And so once we understand that, Mistaber, it's logical. So it's logical to posit that what is special, the advantage of Parshas Lech Lecha, which is all about Avram Avinu, above the Parshas that preceded, because the content of our parsha Lech Lecha is all about the preparatory stages for the fusion of heaven and earth, of the celestial and the earthy. And we might say, we might say that this also expresses itself in the fact that Lech Lecha is the third parsha. Like the Gemara says that it's a threefold Torah that was given on the third day of the week, that was given to a nation of three demographics, etc., etc. Famous Gemara and Shabbos. Kav Hashlishi. And also, mystically speaking, the third is the central vector, Hamachaber, that connects the spheres on the right and the left. And in this case, connects El Yonim Im the above with the below, heaven and earth, spirituality and the material corporeal matter. Vahainu, this means. Shaparsha's Barashas, a Parsha Harishina, Parsha's Barashas, which is the first Parsha, Taichna Briya Sa'ilam, Shenivra Bidea Kadish Barahu, El Yanim. What's the content of the first Parsha? It's about the, the creation of the universe. And who created the universe? God. So this is all about the above. It's all about the celestial. What's the content of Parshas Noyach? Ha-Parsha Hashnia, the second Parsha. Hamata. It's all about the refinement of this lower strata. Through the agency of Noyach, who is termed in the Torah a righteous man. And specifically through the Mabel, which Hasidus teaches, was a mikvah, a form of refinement for the world. So this is about tachtoinim. It's about the lower realm. O parshas lech lecha, parshas lishes, and parshas lech lecha, the third parsha, in yana chibor el yani betachtoinim. Its content is about the fusion, the synergy, the marriage of the celestial and the earthy. Val pizeh yuvan hatam she parshas noyach peseches bepasuk ele toilus noyach, and when we align ourselves with this trajectory of thought, we can understand the reason why Parshas Noyach opens with this Pasuk. These are the generations of Noyach. Noyach was a righteous man. With this, the Torah is signaling that it begins to speak about Noyach's overture, his service, his avoida. As we learn, as we're taught, 
what are the generations, what is the progeny of righteous individuals? It's their good deeds. But everything that comes at the end of Parshas Barashas and everything that comes before this point in contradistinction, it's true that the subject matter is noya, but his birth and everything that comes in the Torah before Ela these are the generations, or in, a, in accordance with our understanding, these are the overtures. This is the Avaida of Noya. All of this was not because of his Avaida. <laughs> None of us has anything to do with our birth and our interest into this universe. We don't ask to be born and we don't do anything to affect it. So none of this was because of his avayda. It was all mitzad iserusa de la'ela. It was all the overture from above. And therefore they belong squarely in parshas barashas, which is all about God's work. The Rebbe is answering the question that he asks about how the parshas were divided here. And he's saying, and the same logic has to be applied to what it says about Avram Avinu in parshas Lechlecha. I'm sorry, in parshas Noyach. Anything that's in parshas Noyach about Avram and not Lechlecha, Shahatam Lazahu, the reason why it's in Noyachananak Lachlacha is the Fisha Vidas Hachana Lamatantarishal of Ramavinu. Hebrew Yenavinim Hitchil Rak Im Fil Achre Atsivui Lachlacha. Because everything that pertains to Avramavinu's Avaida of fusing the above and the below, the celestial and the earthy, began only with. And after Hashem said to Avram Avinu, Lech Lecha, Kishayatza Avram Mecharan al Eretz Yisrael, when Avram left Haran and he went to Eretz Yisrael. Masha came in contradistinction, Ladas Avram Avinu, Vinyani Avoida Shaloi, his birth, and again, his Avoida, Adla Lech Lecha, until Hashem says, Go forth to yourself, Him Beiker. They're in the main, a continuation of, and the um, end of the Torah dealing with the refinement and the elevation of this lower strata. That began with Noyach, who was a righteous man. So the Rebbe has now answered regarding how the Parshas are divided. And he says, Horatius, that's about Hashem. Noyach, that's about Zichuch Tachtainim. It's about the refinement of the lower strata. That's about humanity's work. And now we're going to go to Lech Lecha. And Lech Lecha is about the fusion. Gimel. Kedei lehoven es ha-shaychus shalech lecha lamatan in order to understand the connection between Lech Lecha and the giving of the Torah, so that we understand why it is that specifically after Hashem says to Avram, Lech Lecha is when Avram Avinu can begin the work of the preparatory stages that would culminate with Matan Torah. We first must explain 
the words of a famous medrash. Hamakasher is inyan by Yomer Hashem Avram lech lecha that connects the idea of Hashem saying to Avram, "Go forth onto yourselves." Im hanhagas Avram levakish rachamim afilu aborchaitim kaanche sedaim with Avram Avinu's behavior in that he implored God for mercy, even for sinners like the people who populated Sedaim. Which is different and starkly at odds with Noyach, who we don't see imploring of Hashem uh, to have mercy on the people of that generation. It would seem it's not understood. When you look at Avram Avinu's request for mercy for the people of Sodom, it was in a very particular framework. Avram asked Hashem to save the people of that region in the merit of Sadikim that might be found there. And like the Zayar teaches, because Avram framed his request of God only in the merit of Sadikim. And when he heard that there were no ten Sadikim, he didn't continue to ask for mercy. And this is juxtaposed and in contradistinction to Meishar Benu, who actually was Meishar Nefesh. He self-sacrificed for the creators of the Egel, for sinners. And like we're taught, he did not properly ask. He did not properly um, do what he should have done. Dim came. What is the greatness of his behavior to ask for mercy on behalf of those who populate Sadaim, the sinners, but to do so only in the schus of Sadiqim? What's the connection between this particular behavior of Avram Avinu? And the fact that this has its antecedent in the Avoida of Lech Lecha, and that this is the beginning of the Hachana, the preparatory stages to Matan How are these connected thematically? And the explanation is, because the fusion between the higher realms and the lower realms was only effected, practically speaking, with Matan Torah. And Avram Avinu's Aveda was only a preparation. Alkain, therefore, Gam Therefore, his Aveda in imploring for for mercy for the Sadaimim that are the Tachtoinim, the lower ones, was not for them, qua, for themselves, but rather 
he implored for Racham and for them in the merit of the tzaddikim that might live in that region. Kiloima, that is to say. Gimel Hanahogais Hanah. Okay, so here the Rebbe now um, breaks it down for us. Here's the, here's the conceptual chart. The three types of behaviors. Noyach, Avram, Umoisha Rabbeinu. The ways in which Noyach, and then Avram, and the Moshe Rabbeinu related to the people of their respective generations. They dovetail with the three different eras that we have spoken of. We have the era before the preparatory stages to Matan Then we have Then we have the preparatory stages to Matan and then we have Matan itself, the giving of the Torah. And these are three different stages. And we see the Avaida of the Tzaddik in each one of these generations that conforms with the, the theme and the energy and what was accomplished during that era. In the era before the preparatory stages to Matan in the stage before the preparation of Matan because there was no connection between El and Tachtainim, therefore Noyach did not pray for his generation. He did nothing. In the second stage, which is the beginning of the fusion of the upper realm and the lower realm. Avram Avinu does pray on behalf of the sinner, but it's contingent on there being righteous people. Sadikim. And in the third Era, after there is this fusion, in that era, Moshe was ready to give up everything that was precious to him. He said, if you're going to blot out the Jewish people, blot me out from the Torah. And he did this for the people, for them essentially, and not for the tzaddikim, but rather for the sinners themselves. Dalit. So the connection between the three eras and the three types of behavior that we spoke of. And in like fashion, the difference between Noyach in that Parsha begins the refinement of the lower realm. And the preceding Parsha, Parsha's Bereshis, and Parsha's Bereshis, it's all about Melmaila. It's all about what God is doing. So it's true that in those eras, there were some tzaddikim, and uh, they weren't just sitting on their hands. They, they, they were doing things. There was, there was a voida on their behalf. But we have to understand what type of avoida 
what is the contour of that Aveda and um, what, it, what, what is its limitation? So the Rebbe says, Yuva and Betaisefa's Beor, we could get insight. We could understand this with more of an explanation. So this is one of the most famous Mishalim that's used in Hasidus and Maimorim and Sechas over and over again. And it's about the way in which a Rav, um, a teacher, gives over from his Sechel to the Talmud to the student. So if you are making a chart in your head, now move to the left and you have new cells. Okay, so we have two, two, cell, two, two columns. We have the three tkufas, we have the three sadikim, and how they pray to Hashem and what that says about what was going on in that tkufa. And now we have an explanation that the Rebbe is going to unfurl for us um, regarding how knowledge can be transmitted from one person to another. Oifin Alefu, the first model would be Shaharab Malamid is a Talmud Rak as Dvar The teacher teaches the student and explains only the information that he is trying to impart. Aval Enei Mismaser ala Talmud Lalamdoi Ba'ifin Shayuchal Lahasig Ba'atzmai Dvar Sechel. But he doesn't um, engage with the Talmud to teach the student the tools for grasping this information by himself. So to say the, the, the proverbial adage, he gives him fish, but he doesn't teach him how to fish. That's model A. Ha'ifen habez, the second modality. Harav noisin Talmud derech. The teacher does give the student the derech, the way, the tools. And he imparts these tools to him in such a way that the student can now, through his own kayak, through his own intellect, through his own cognition, teach and understand himself. Um, move on. And it's understood. And each of these modalities has um, has a uh, advantage that the other lacks. If you're talking about developing the students' to, um, toolbox and um, their skills, then the second modality is a better one. Because it's only in this second way where the teacher teaches the student how to learn himself that he will be able to do this going forward. But when you're talking about the teacher imparting the actual knowledge, then the first Modality has an advantage. Because that which the student will be able to understand on their own, because the teacher taught them and gave them the tools for learning on their own. Will still only be a small portion that he can grasp on his own relative 
to what the teacher would be able to impart. So each one has a strength and each modality has a deficit. Okay, so in one, the student is able to get more information and might be able to get the information on a higher level and in a deeper way. But in the second, the student is able to do this on their own. And the says, and there's a third modality, that includes the advantages of both of the aforementioned modalities. That is, that the influence the Rav has on the student is so great. That the um, the, the 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 tools that the student has talent. Become, help me yeah talent talent skills talents talent. thank you the skills the talents and the skills thank you of the teacher become those of the student and in this modality the talmud the student is able through his own agency uh, to be mechadesh, to bring novel uh, thoughts to the fore and to grasp higher in- intellectual ideas, just like the teacher. Okay, so we have these three modalities. Hey, V'yesh Leimar, and the Rebbe says, She'gimel ha'tkufa is the parshas b'rishas noyach v'lech l'cha hein al derech u'bedugmaz gimel ha'ifanin. And so the three parshas of b'rishas noyach and lech l'cha parallel these three modalities of relationship between Rav and Talmud and parallel the three tzaddikim we have been speaking about and their particular modality of Avoida. Avoida sa tzaddikim basore doris me adam bad noyach haisa be'ikor mitzad hashba milmaila v'loi haisa kshur kolkach im koicham upulosam shal oisem tzaddikim gufa. The avoid of the tzaddikim that lived in the era, beginning with Noyach, um, beginning with Adam until Noyach, was in the main effluence that came from above. It was not so much connected with what they did as much as they were conduits for what was coming from above. And for example, the Rebbe says, What was the story with Chanoich? Although he was a righteous individual, and this is irrespective of the fact that he lived in a corrupted generation. And the fact that Hanaich lived in such a perverted, depraved, corrupted generation, and he remained righteous, is testimony to how great his work was, that he was uninfluenced by, by everything that was going on around him. And still we're taught about him that he was they could easily be swayed and he could have fallen, he could have lurched into wrongful behavior. And therefore, if he would have lived for a little bit longer, 
in that toxic environment, he would not have been able to surmount um, the evil. And therefore, God hurried to take him away. So there's something interesting about his death. It wasn't pedestrian death. It was Hashem kind of swooping down and taking him away before he could fall into the pit, as it were. And so this is exhibit A for the fact that although he was a tzaddik, in the main, this was it was not because of his strength, but rather because there was a light, an energy from above that irradiated him. If he would have tarried, if he would have remained a little bit longer and the, in the corrupted world that he found himself in, and he would have descended to a place where the light from above does not illuminate. With his own he would not have been able to remain in his righteous state. And so now we see how that era is a parallel to the first modality of the hashpa, um, the influence of the Rav to the Talmud. That although the student grasps what the teacher is saying, and he even toils in understanding but he is unable to create anything novel. He is able to contain, but he is not able to add. Then we go to the second era. Then we have Noyach to Avram. And here, and in this era, it's not in the main about the light that comes from above, but in the main, it's about their efficacy and their work. And we see this expresses itself in the fact that they were able to impact the world around them. So if you're struggling, to contain all of your energy is, is centered on being a container for what has flowed into you. But if you have kriches from within you, then you're able to relate to those around you. And this was the case from Noyach Ad Avram. And as we find with not only was he a complete tzaddik in his generation, notwithstanding the depravity of his generation, and unlike Hanayich, he was not um, lightheaded, meaning that he was not easily swayed. But more than this, he, he reprimanded the people of his generation. He told them to do tshuva, although we could argue that it was a very weak, if completely ineffective campaign. 
ועל אחס כמה וכמה אחר המבול, שאז על ידי אבדס הקרבונס פעל נויחס הבטחת הקדוש ברוך הוא, and how much more so we see that after the מבול, through the אבד of נויח and his קרבונס, he was able to impact, he was, he was able to affect the promise of Hashem, לאייסיף, I will, no, I will never again destroy the world, um, the, the days and nights will, will never again cease, the, the, the uh, planetary machinations will never cease again, until he was able to extract from Hashem, as it were, the, um, the sign of this covenant, which is the rainbow, um, so, I know that we do only one sikha toge- together from the project. Um, but if you have time and you want to look at the second sikha of last week, it, it's, it's, it was a really hard choice. It was amazing sikha about why a rainbow? Why a rainbow of all things? And Reb explains what a rainbow symbolizes. And basically, um, by drawing on the scientific understanding of what a rainbow is, Reb talks about how a rainbow is a symbol of the coarse material world being able to be saturated with the spirituality from heaven. And there was no rainbow before the mabo because of this, because the mabo was able to affect a change which would culminate with Matantara, but it was the beginning of the fusion, the synergy, the marriage of El Yonim and Tachtonim. And this is symbolized in the rainbow. But although it's true that from Noyach ad Avraham, um, there was this possibility for avoida milmata and impact on the world, but still, but because this work was connected in the main with the lower realm, shahu mitzad atzmoy, and it was work that was coming as a result of their own inner chayches. And so you can never compare this to what comes from above. So therefore, the revelation of godliness that was drawn forth through this effort was contracted and was limited severely in, in, in conformity with, with the lower realm. And like Rashi tells us that Noyach was from the Ketani Emunah, didn't have the highest level of faith. It's a very interesting word here, that in the main, his grasp of godliness had to do with those things that can be funneled through the seichel of a created creature, which is by definition very, very limited. It's tachtoinim. But aspects of godliness that can only be grasped through faith which transcends cognition, it's as Elyonim, he, he had a small measure of this because in the main, he was rooted in Tachtainim. And so this parallels the modality of impact that a Rav has 
on the Talmud in the second modality. In the second model, yes, the teacher gives the students the tools and the student is able, therefore, to grasp certain things on his own and is even able to um, come forth with some novel understanding, but it's going to be very contracted and very, very limited when you compare it to what the Rav has. And in the Avoida of Avram, there were the two advantages of the aforementioned modalities. There was the beginning and the basis of his Avoida was Al he came to the conclusion of monotheism. He came to the conclusion that there's only one God through proofs, through logical proofs. And at the same time, he did not question Hashem's decisions. And this is a reference to Hashem telling him to offer up his son, Yitzchak, as a sacrifice after Avram had spent his entire life telling the world that that's not what Hashem wants. And after Hashem had told him that from Yitzchak is going to be built this great nation. And still in all, loy hear her Avram Avinu did not question God. The chain, and therefore Hashem said about him, Umatsasa as ne'man lefanecha. And I found his heart faithful before you, meaning that Avram Avinu showed complete faith. This means that although the beginning of his journey began with cogitating with his own cognition, but then he came to a place that transcends Seichel altogether. This means that he grasped godliness with the completeness, the pastos, the simplicity of a simple servant. Um, you could say that what we're hoping to achieve when we learn is to shed our childish ideas but retain our childlike belief in Hashem. There's a difference between childish and childlike. And we never want to lose that childlike, that ebit pasho, that, 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 that simple belief in Hashem. But we in never want to stay in that childish place where, you know, we, we believe like Hashem has a long white beard and is throwing candy canes at us and so on and so forth. A very primitive understanding. Joni, sorry. No, yeah. it, it, you don't want to lose your innocence. Mm -hmm. The tamimos, the naivete. Exactly. And so we see this expressed and and um it's uh reflected in the way Avramavinu broadcast 
the idea of Elokus in the world. In his campaign to teach the world monotheism, there were these two modalities. On the one hand, the ideas that he was broadcasting were essentially higher than what can be grasped through the normal avenues of cognition. The AFLP came, and, and, and although this was true, and yet he found a way to, to explain these ideas so that even simple people could grasp them. Now you might say, what is so difficult about, about monotheism? But that's because we're living in a world, we came into a world with this, this was an established fact. But Avram Avinu was a trailblazer. And so in many, many ways, it was almost impossible for the people of his generation to understand what he was teaching them. So on the one hand, these were ideas that were transcendent. And on the other hand, he found a way to make them understandable to the rank and file person. And that's, that's really a description of the most brilliant type of PR, right? Take an idea that nobody has ever heard of and make people grasp it in a way that like, right, of course I have to spend $8 on a coffee because obviously the only way to start your day is with a Starbucks. Like, brilliant. Totally brilliant. And so Avram Avinu's campaign was in that third model where the student can take on the talents of, and the, uh, Rachi, what was the other word you gave me? The chushim. Skills. The skills, thank you. Of um, you see, it takes somebody who lives in Uruguay to, to give you the right English word. Um, the skills of the uh, of of the teacher. Vav. Omnam, however, gam ha'ifen ha'gimel b'hashpa shechushi ha'talmid nasim kuchushi ha'rav. But still, in all, even this third modality, where the skill set of the student uh, replicate the the skill set of the teacher. This is just an analogy for the preparatory stages to the fusion between the above and the below. That was effectuated through Avam Avinu's work. But it, it's not a proper analog for what happened at Matan the Rebbe says that the very possibility for that third modality where the student can acquire the skill set of the teacher, there's a caveat. It's only possible if the student is themselves on such a caliber that they can replicate the skill set of the teacher because to begin with, they have that level of cognition. 
וממילא, הנה שכל התלמוד גם קודם לכן, קודם השבא לא היה תחתן לגמרי. And therefore we must say that to begin with, the seichel of the Talmud cannot be called tachtain. It cannot be called a lower level, legabe seichel harab, when you compare it to the level of cognition of the teacher. Yes, there are okay. And there's a second caveat. So one is that it's limited to a relationship where the student, to begin with, has a superlative type of intellect. And more than this, and after the student takes on the skill set of the teacher through the refinement of the student's skill set, so we find, so in addition to the fact of what we said in the previous paragraph, that to begin with, the student was never tachtain. The student was never low as compared to the higher level of the teacher. But the chibor harav talmid, but the fusion of the rab with the student, who rak bedar gazushal seichel ha-talmud shemisala umizdacheches alide hashbaz harav, extends only to the to the extent to which the seichel of the talmud is elevated and is refined through the seichel of the teacher. Okay, this is a, a delicate, subtle, and deep point that the Rebbe is going to tease out now regarding what happened at Matan Teira. So what happens is, is that the teacher is able to elevate the cognition and the skill set of the student but that means that the fusion doesn't happen on the level of where the student's skill set was before the fusion. It happens on the level of the elevation. So the student rises up to meet the teacher, and that's where the, the synergy happens, but not on the level of tachtain of where the student was earlier, before the refinement of his skill set that he started with. Let's go further, and I think it will throw light on this. But in contradistinction, but when you look at the fusion that occurred between the upper realm and the lower realm that was effectuated through Matan Teirah, before Matan Teirah, there was no connection. So unlike this brilliant student who even before they began studying with the teacher, they had raw brilliance. It was there. But before Matan Teirah, there was no connection between Eliyahu and Betachtanim. Adarabah, like that famous Medrash that the Rebbe cites constantly, there was an edict. There was period. There was stark separation between Elyonim and Tachtainim. That Rome couldn't go to Greece, Greece couldn't go to Rome, in the words of, of the Medrash. There was no interface. And the fusion that happened in Matan Teirah happened only because Hashem is Kol Yachol, Hashem can do everything. 
a force for which there is nothing that is impossible, and the Abishah can contain all opposites, and therefore, and therefore the fusion of the above and below that it was effectuated and therefore it wasn't that at Matantaira somehow the Abishter affected that the Tachtoinim should rise to a level where they could replicate El Yoinim. No. The fusion was between El Yoinim and Tachtoinim Kwa Tachtoinim, as they are Tachtoinim. So therefore, that third modality between the teacher and the Talmud is not a correct analogy for what happened in Matantaya. But the Rebbe says, <laughs> every analogy has to break up. Uh, you know, it, it, it begins to crumble when you juxtapose it against its spiritual analog, because you're going to get to the Ibsh, you're going to get to Atzmas, you're going to get to Noise Hafrim, you're, you're going to get to a place where only the Ibsh is Nimnahanim Noise. Only the Ibsh is a place where there could be, you know, an impossibility of impossibility. So the only, only the Abishah can create a place where there's an Aroin that has certain measurements and, and that same Aroin doesn't take up space. Zayin. So now the Rebbe has added a fourth layer to our neat chart. Right? There's a fourth cell in this column. And that is the transcendent. That is the Matantaira. That is the fusing of El Yainim with Tachtoinim as they are Tachtoinim, not as they have been elevated. Now the Rebbe says, let's bring it home to the ranch. These four modalities exist today, after Matantaira, in our personal ecosystem, in our Avoida. Oifen Aleph. The first modality. So the first modality parallels the Avoida of Milmaila, Parshas Bereshis, all about God, and the Avoida from Noyach, from Adam till Noyach, who, She Avoida Sa Adam, Himitzad Haneshama, Aval Ena Misasik Imagov. So how does this parallel in Aravita? That this is a level of Aravita that's all about the Neshama. It's not very involved with the Guth. What does this mean? What does this mean practically? The Rebbe teases Although, of course, the way that Tere Mitzvah works has to be done with the Guth. has to be done by a physical person. And is done with physical matter. But the person who is operating on this level is not in the main doing it with the intention of affecting the body. This person views the body only as an it's an intermediary um, vessel. It's a tool 
lemale as ha'avoyda the Torah mitzvah shel haneshama to fulfill what the neshama has to do. Okay, maybe you could say that this is like doing Torah mitzvahs without chasidus. So you, you want to do the mitzvahs, you're eager to do the mitzvahs, and you're eager to get into Gan Eden. But it's not about how it's going to affect your goof and refine your goof and how you're going to refine your part of the world that your neshama has to refine, etc., etc. Balach is kama v'kama. And how much more so? And this person is not in the main concentrating and preoccupied with affecting the world outside of himself, herself. That's modality one. Eifen Beis, the second modality. Now we're going into Parshas Noyach, right? The Avoida of humanity. Hatkufa Minoyach Vad Avraham, the era from Noyach to Avraham. So here the person, yes, is involved with their body and even with the world and has gotten the memo that the only reason we came into this world is to make a dear lo yisbarach. But this person is still missing the passion and the mesiris nefesh that he should lay himself down on the line in order to bring fruition to Hashem's ultimate intention that the world should be refined and should be a dear Yisbarach. This person is concerned with himself. This person could be a, could appear as a tzaddik. They're checking off all the boxes, doing everything right. But what's the driving force here? It's that they should do it right. That they should fulfill what they have to fulfill. Uledugma, for example, Yes, he is even engaged in being makar of other Jews' terimitzvahs. But he's looking to check off the box of the mitzvah of rebuking his fellow Jew. Because this is a mandate that Hashem gave him. It's his mitzvah. What's missing is the focus on the fact that these Jews have to come closer to Tyre. That's not his focus. His focus is, I have to check off the box to rebuke, to bring, and, and if, it's done, if the rebuke is done properly, to bring closer Yidin. Because that's my mitzvah. I have to do this. This is on my list. But the wind in his sails is not coming because of concern for the people. It's coming because of concern. Check off all the boxes on his list. And this is the behavior that Mark Noyach 
שאף שהכריחם במשך קופחוף שנה כל יומה ויומה, although, יימה ויימה, I'm sorry, even though for 120 years he went out there and worked on the railroad and built this um, ark, and every single day he was engaged in the work of rebuking his generation folk. In the main, this was because God commanded him to do this. And therefore, when it wasn't successful, when his campaign was a total flop, he didn't go out there and, 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 and ask Hashem to have Rachmanus. It's like, I, I did what I was supposed to do. All right. You know, <laughs> okay, they're going to perish. But I did what I had to do. Now, the third modality, which is paralleled in the preparatory stages of Matantara, of Ramavinu, when there is already felt the connection between Elyonim and Tachtainim, here you are ready in that level of work where the person who's working is working with dedication and with passion and with devotion until Mesir's Nefesh to complete Hashem's intention that this world should become a dear Leisbarak. And how much more so when the Savaita is done, it's funneled through the feeling of Abbas Yisrael to bring Jews closer to Terimitzis. And all of this notwithstanding, that it's being done with devotion and with passion and with Abbas Yisrael, this is still all delineated that, that his work and his interface with the other person is still with two caveats. So this is going to connect to something we had a little bit of a discussion about, was it last week or two weeks ago? His, his avoida, notwithstanding the fact that it's being done with passion and with devotion and with Mesiris Nefesh and with Abbas Yisrael, but it's for the purpose of elevating. It's only for the purpose of elevating this other person and bringing them closer to Torah Mitzvah. And it's not about bringing yourself down to, and being with them where they are. And Beis hishtag lusoi lekar v'sazulus la'avodas Hashem hirak kishachosh she'oisei adam shayach leskaris, and he's only going to get involved with a person that he senses is, as we say in the industry, a keli, somebody that you sense they're looking to come closer. But if this person's not looking to come closer, I'm not going to waste my time because I only have a certain amount of time in my day, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if this person is really ever going to do Torah
the Rebbe says, this is in conformity to what I explained above, the, 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 that even in the third modality, where the student takes on the skill set of the teacher, it's still only in very specific case. Whereas the Rebbe explained, the student already had raw brilliance and intelligence that the teacher recognizes. And the fusion happens when the, when the student rises to that level. It doesn't happen at the initial level. The Rebbe says the same thing here, that in this avoidam, it is about the student replicating the teacher's skill set. And it's also it happens only on the level where the chushim are already elevated, and it's only because that raw brilliance existed before. And this is expressed in the behavior of Ramabinu. Although, yes, he had mysterious nefesh for the people of his generation, because taking on Hashem's decision to destroy Sedaim and Amar, not a simple thing. He had to have Messias Nefesh to go to bat for them. And it was Messias Nefesh to get involved with all the pedestrians of that time that they should recognize and they should call on to God. He effectuated a level where the world itself was reckon, was able to recognize Elokos, and the world became Elo- and rec- and the people were able to recognize that the world is godliness. And he even put himself into danger for this work. And he prayed even for the people of Sudan. However, but his prayer was that they should be saved in the merit of the tzaddikim sheyim sham that would be found in that region, the tzaddikim who were able to effectuate refinement in the place where they reside. And he realized that this is not a place where tshuva can happen. He didn't continue to ask. He gave up. What's the fourth way? What's the fourth modality? What is Matantaira? It's when you love another Jew like you love yourself. It's an essential love that transcends logical equations. If somebody were to ask you, why do you love yourself? What would you say? I love myself because I'm gorgeous and brilliant and I speak 85 languages and I play every instrument in the world and I could cook every single type of cuisine? No, I mean, I don't know why I love myself. Love myself. It's the way I was created. And for those of us who have children, we understand this very well. If if a mother can explain why she loves her child, you should take away her children. 
she's unfit to mother. You love your child from a place that transcends any explanation. And therefore, when you love without love, you devote yourself for that person, even when, logically speaking, there is no reason to do so. Maybe I'll be able to bring him to Terenitzvah. But you put yourself out for this person because you love them. And this reflects the fusion of that was the novelty of It's a fusion of with the with the lower realm as it is in its lower realm, not as it is elevated. And this was Moshe's Avodah. He was the facilitator of Matan Torah. The Torah is called Torah's Moshe. He was ready to die. He was ready to be blotted out of the Torah. He gave everything. For who? For the Oseh Ega, for those who made the Ega. So much so that he said to Hashem, blot me out. I'm out of here. I'm bouncing. And he did not move from that place until Hashem said, okay, I'm going to forgive them in accordance with your words. There was no shrug of shoulders. There was no giving up. There was no, okay, I tried. I did everything I could do. Uh-uh. Ches. Al pikol hanal. Yuva masha avoides ha'chana l'chibra al-yib tachtaynim shalabram avinu yischila achrei lech lecha. And now we're in a position to understand why the avoida of fusion between above and below only begins after lech lecha. That explains. It's only after you take leave of yourself that you're actually able to fulfill this work. Because when this avoida, as righteous and as holy as it might appear from the outside, is still being done in the main because of you and what you want to fulfill, then it's always going to be lacking. It's always going to be left wanting. Like somebody who berates another in order to fulfill the mitzvah of rebuking their fellow Jew. Even when you do this a hundred times, it is not going to have any efficacy like the person who reprimands because they truly love you and they want your best. And we all 
understand exactly what the Rebbe is saying. Because when somebody is talking to you, and maybe they do need to deliver a message, it's not going to be easy for you to hear. But you know they want your good. They have your back. They care about you. That penetrates your heart. But when you feel that somebody's doing something and you're just the subject for their experiment or just another notch on their belt, most of the time that overture is repulsive and therefore completely inefficacious. It doesn't, it doesn't move us because it's not about us. It's clear it's about them. And in order to affect the world, and in order to effectuate the world, even on Avram's level, which was just the preparatory stages to Matan and how much more so to do it in a way that, that brings Matan you have to do the avoid of lechlecha. You have to leave everything that's comfortable and leave all of your preconceived notions and your biases and our habits and our mo. We have to leave our private place and the Rebbe has a famous sikha where he explains it's our sinais, our gilios, it's 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 what it's who we are and how we were formed, both through nature and through nurture, and bahasechel and through mibeis avicha. Avicha is always in chasidus to your cognition. And even everything about you that's all holy, it's still you. Got to leave that. And now we're circling back to conclude. And now we can understand why even though in the main, Bereshus is joyous. And the end of Parshas Noyach is also joyous. But the week that is truly joyous, Parshas Lech is dafka lechlecha. Why? Because in yana shel simcha hu, because what is happiness? Simcha peretzes keder. Simcha is about bursting through the fences, the delineation, the confinement. And therefore, the Simcha of Parshas Bereshis, which is all about what Hashem did, is not a complete Simcha. Because although the existence of the world, which came into being from nothingness, reveals and allows us to recognize the godly force that cannot be contained in any of the two categories, ayin or yesh. So in a way, you could say it's peretz hagdurim da ayin v'yesh, that it breaks through the barriers of both existence and the lack thereof. 
in Kolze, but still in all, but because Parshas Bereshis are talking about a world that exists because of God, and it's not because of anything inherent about the world. But Hashem wants it there. And because you're talking about it being because of Hashem's desire. So there we don't recognize and we don't feel so much the Indian of Pritas Agdarim, of breaking down fences and categories and limitations of Ayin Yesh. So it's not a great Simcha. It's not a complete Simcha, sorry. The same thing is true about the end of Pashas Nayak, latest Abraham Avinu, the birth of Abraham Avinu. And who is Avram? And he was the beginning of the process of breaking down the delineation and the categories and uh, the obstruction between the above and below. And the reason this is not a complete happiness is because although he started this work, but it wasn't yet practically the fruition of this work. And as we said above, because the, the real beginning of this happened. Okay, so what Avram Avinu did was the preparation for the beginning of this process, which only begins after Lechlecha. So therefore his birth and anything he did before Lechlecha is again, not a complete Simcha. The Davka Parshas Lechlecha, and it's only Davka and Parshas Lechlecha. Hevan Sheba Nasasa B'Poyel Hachan Alchibral Yonav Tachtaynim, because in Lechlecha we have practically the preparation for the fusion of Yonav Tachtaynim. Harehi Hashavua Hasameach BeEmes. Therefore, this is the truly joyous Parsha where we can see the beginning of the crumbling of the, of the, the geder, of, of the gate, of, of the fence between Ayin and Yesh, between Elyonim and Tachtonim, between the physical, the temporal, and the eternal, and the heavenly. Um, so that's our sicha for today. And wishing everybody the most joyous week possible. Um, and now comes the best part. If I bring in. Can I ask a question? We were, we were waiting for you, Esther. I should uh... and, 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 and you don't have to start anymore with, ask, with saying, can I ask a question? Just give us your wisdom. Many times when we learn this, I, I, I'm asking, I mean, this seems to me, many times when we learn this, we think of this as a judgment. But what the Sikh is saying, it was impossible to expect different of Neach and Avraham. It's impossible. So many times we look at things as a judgment when it's really a statement to teach us a process. Maybe in our own life, we also look at, should look at things and at other as 
that it's not judgment, it's process. You understand what I'm saying? One million gazillion percent. And um, so, and this is true in so many things. It's true in marriage. It's true in all relationships. And um, for those of us who are in shlichus, I think we can see this, like certain things that are possible today were not possible 10 years ago. They were not possible 20 years ago. They were not possible 30 years ago. They're not possible 40 years ago. And sometimes our kids will come and say like, why didn't you do this or this? Why? And, and we're like, how do I begin to explain to you how different the world was then? The Jewish world, the Jewish landscape, the relationship between Chabad and Federation or whatever you want to talk about. It was, it was different. It was not possible. It's the unfurling of a process. Spot on, Esther. But then you can just say, even without chassidus, we would be still worrying our placing on Aiden. So yeah, how do we have that expectation? What? That's what we would look like, Takanebach. Right. So how can we expect differently of the rest of the world? It's just, it's, it's not. That's number one. Number two, I'm not to negate anything, but really the, the sin of the Egel, doesn't compare to the sin of Nayach, to the time of Nayach, and to the time of Zdain. What benefit would there have been if Nayach or Avraham would have had the Miseras Nefesh for such Rishayim? Whereas by the Egel, it was, first of all, it's several thousand people out of three million, or I mean, 600,000 men, you include the women, it's over a million people, if you don't include children because they're little. You're talking about out of a million people, not even, a, what was the percentage that sinned? You know what I mean? I, I'm not negating what Moshe Rabbeinu did, I'm not trying to minimize anything. But why is the, I'm just, I don't know if there's an answer to this, but the comparison, what would have been the point of Nayach or Avram going on the serious Nefesh for this? Where they were so wicked. I mean, maybe you could answer that since every person, you know, has has an ashama, so it's worth going on Messias Nefesh, and, and that would have been able to turn them around. In other words, that we never give up. Now, according to the Sikha, that's impossible in the time of Mabul and in the time right. of Avraham. Right. right. It's but impossible. Think, right. But I think I think if you look at it from the other perspective, at the greatness of the Mr. Snefesh of Moshe as compared to Nayak and Avraham, the Abisha had just given them the Torah, had just appeared to them. And in the face of that, they had the Haza to make Avoidazara. And yet, Moshe went and Mr. Snevish for them. You could argue that their sin was much, much greater than the sin of Sidaim and the sin of, the, of, of anything that happened during the Mabal, juxtaposed against the instruction they had just gotten and the, and the Giluim that they had just experienced. And so, Moshe Rabbeinu going, laying himself on the line for them is mind boggling and earth shattering. 
So maybe that's where the comparison is. Okay. I'd like to ask a question that's a specific technical thing, not the whole gist of the whole stuff, which as somebody wrote a week, at least absorb this. It's amazing. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's affecting me. I want to say that I didn't understand when it said uh, that wasn't his avoider. That and it says like that wasn't his avoider, it was from Hashem. How could you Hashem if it's from Hashem? I mean, the Hashem, not because he was born with blue eyes. So I think I I I think what this means is that a teacher could be very, very proud of a student. And, and very happy with them that they were able to replicate their skill set and still recognize that it all came from them. But you could still have pleasure in the fact that you, your student was able to rise to that level. In other words, like a tzaddik, it's not it's self-propelled. Given, a, tzaddik, a tzaddik is given greater strength. The chadchil is born. A tzaddik is born a tzaddik, in other words. Yeah. Okay. okay. And, and, that, and that could give us some pleasure. And the same thing with Chanoch. Uh, yeah. It was um, Koyach Batsmai. So Not what, Koyach Batsmai. What? He lacked Koyach Batsmai. Yeah, lacked yeah. Koyach I wrote quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But so we're, the whole idea of, uh, there was no Bechira there. There was really no Bechira. He chose to at least, you know, open his blue eyes instead of putting on sunglasses. Yeah, when the Abish just sensed that he was going to put on his sunglasses, the Abish just swooped down and then. Exactly. All right. Thank you. Could I just share something beautiful that somebody told me yesterday? Um, I was at a, I was at a Simcha Baruch Hashem and I met somebody there and um, we were talking about Project Lakotis And he said to me, you know, um, at the beginning, I, I took it on because I'm saying this, Rachi, because you prompted this memory with your comment. Um, he said, at first I took it on because I thought, you know, this is a good thing to do. And, and I'll do it. I'll prove to myself that I can do it. And then I'll go on to do something else. And he says, and now I understand I can never do anything else. I just have to keep doing this. I have to, because you can't live in any other way. And I looked at him. I was like, uh-huh. And, and, the, and the next time we do this in Ritz Hashem, we'll understand the Sikhs in a whole different way. And we'll understand how to live in a whole different way, especially because our teacher will be back to explain it. It's a all before that, it's a Another thing, I just want to say that this whole thing, what we learned today, has a lot to do with the whole idea of what happened in Sirius um, led by the students of Rabbi Akiva. How come the students of Rabbi Akiva, who had learned obviously from the teacher, weren't able to tolerate? Um, you know, Lana goes, um, cover It's exactly this sicha answers it because where was it coming from? It wasn't, it was for them to get what they felt, not to put themselves in the other person that the thing should be done. And I think it's worthy to mention the story of the Friedrich Rebbe came back very sad when he went somewhere um, we in Poland or Russia to for a meeting because he wasn't able to accomplish what his, the Rebbe Rashab sent him to do. And he did everything by Mr. Snefesh, but he was still so sad because the idea was that it should get done. It's not about you. So it's up to 
the Indian. Yeah. Yeah, uptown the yeah, Indian. Rifki, can I ask a question? I'm so glad I was able to join today. We're so, so glad you were welcome. able to join. Thank you. Not usually a good time for me, but today I managed. Um, so question, so can you clarify what you were saying at some point? You were saying that the level, that like there's a level of being Makar of somebody where you're not Mishashev if they're a Kaylee for it or not. So how does that jive? Like when you're working with somebody, I mean, you always ask, are they, I don't know, like you, you're not supposed to ask if they're a Kaylee for this or not, or you're doing, you're, you're doing exactly what the Rebbe says. When you, when, when you forge friendships with people, not because they're your project and it's missed sign, but it's just your neighbor, your friend, the, the person at Kinko, whatever. I don't know. You join a class and they're taking the same class, whatever it is. That's what the Rebbe is talking about. That you love them for them. You have a relationship with them. And it's not a relationship based on because you're, you know, taking notes as to right. are they in five years going to be Shema Shabbos or going to kosher their kitchen or whatever. And we all know that, that um, some of the most effective polis maybe all happen in this way. But then how does that jive with like thinking, okay, you know, is this person a Kaylee to hear about mikvah? Should I bring it up? Is this person, like, how do you, I don't know, how do you think that? Well, well, that question, like I've already answered to Mindy Feller, Allah HaShalom, uh, in her right. famous, right? In her famous letter, she asked, and the Rebbe said that they are muchanim hei har sinai. Every Jew is already ready for Maimed Harsinai to hear about mikvah. In that case, it was about mikvah. So, okay, look, I think everything in our Aveda is um, a combination of the transcendent. And at the same time, we need to use our seichel and try to gauge, right? So, but we, but we all know that whatever we accomplish is not because of us, it's in spite of ourselves. And at the same time, we try to do our best with our limited kalim. Um, so it's it's a combination, and I and and there's not an exact equation. In some cases, it's going to be with a little bit more seichel, and in some cases, it's completely going to transseichel. What's go, transcend seichel? What's going to happen um, in in our shlichus or in our relationships or in our um, you know in our overtures with other people? And and you know the Rebbe explains that shlichus is not you know there's a difference between a shliach and an evet. Uh, Eved has to get the job done and a shliach has to use their seichel to figure out how to get it done. In other words, in their particular way. Um, but I don't think that these are mutually exclusive. I think it, it's a combination. And, and we have to know that ours has to be an untrammeled Avas Yisrael. And yeah, it could be that somebody's going to come and they're going to eat in our house for 50 years every Shabbos and, and they're going to take the bus home or, to, or Uber home. Yeah, it could be because and, you feel like it's just not a Kaylee right now to be to be for that to be brought up. I don't just know. bring it up for sure, but not push it. I don't know. And and if you pushed it, you you also can't. Pu- I mean, self self only the person can decide if and when, right? So yeah, we're always bringing things up, and we're always modeling more than anything else. We're always modeling, you know, what we hope every other Jew will do hopefully. Um, and, and, but the main thing is it has to be not for the purpose of, I'm going to get them from point A to point B, and then from point B to point C, and then from C to D. And if not, that's it. They're never coming to my table again. They're done. 
I'm done with them. Um, I don't have time to waste on this project. Can I, can I, I just want to add something for a minute, please. That um, some, some people on this um, may remember um Kinnis Hashluches in, um, I think it was, I don't know, it was either in Nungimel and Dalit in 93 or 94, the keynote speaker was Basi Azimov, Allah Shalom. And her theme that she, the theme that she was talking about, Lech Lecha, Leteivascha, Ulha You're going out, it's for your good and your benefit. In other words, it's not, and I'm editing now, but it's not like I have everything and I'm going to go give it to you because that's what I'm supposed to do. But that my encounter with all the people that I'm going to encounter in Shlichus, it, it ultimately, I need this. It, it's not like I have what I have to have, I have already. And you need what I have, so I'm going to give it to you. But I need what being with you is going to give to me. Like I, I'm, I need over here, and I think maybe one of the things that, um, that, I mean, this this tension of when to say and what to say, and is it too much and is it too little? Um, maybe something that's comparable to it is in being mechanic children, that you 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 know that trying to always to gauge by the the age and the stage and the nature of the child, you don't give a a. a a five-year-old in the same way that you would give to a 12-year-old or a 20-year-old. So always trying to, or this child may be ready to hear more than another child is ready to hear at that same age. So the, the tension is, it's not a bad thing, it's a creative tension, but I think what, what I'm understanding from what, um, what you were saying, Rifki, is that the, the, the perspective on it is that you're seeing the person for who they are for, for, you know, that it's not, I need you to, to get my brownie points, but um, rather that they, they have the, the feeling that you see them as a person. And because of that, in the same way that you see your child as a person, and you, of course, you want to give them what you can give them, but it's not like, well, I need to, whatever. Anyway, just wanted to share that. I, I'd just like to add one point. I don't know, but Raisi brought up maybe answers my question. Because maybe that's really the, maybe that is one of the points of the Sicha, that after Matan Torah, you have to have Mesir Snefesh like Maishar because everyone's a Kali. Everyone is really a Kali. For us to know exactly what to zoom in on, the Abishter will show. But every single one of us is a Kaylee. You have the story with the Rebbe, which is a remarkable story. A person who comes, gets close to the Rebbe, 18-year-old, his mother was very ill. Anyway, he, he leaves you, he decides that he doesn't believe or whatever. So the Rebbe asks him at one point, he's struggling, do you put on film? As hard as it was for him to say it, he said, no, I don't. Do you keep kosher? He said, no, I don't. And the Rebbe said to him, will you do one thing for me, one favor? And in gratitude for everything that Rebbe has done to him, he said, yes, Rebbe, anything. And the Rebbe says to him, will you and your wife take upon yourself to light Shabbos candles? It's not even his mitzvah, so to speak, <laughs> in a way. But will you and your wife take upon yourself to light Shabbos candles? Okay. So even in the Rebbe's style, you see something. When they said to him, the Rebbe said to him, put on film, do you put on film? Right? 
would that have been the Akeli film? No, I'm not a Akeli film. Am I a Akeli Fikashros? I'm not a Akeli Fikashros right now. Okay. Lighting Shabbos candles? I'm a Akeli for Shabbos candles. The Rebbe worked with him. What are you a Akeli for? Because he knew that Rebbe wanted, that Rebbe was <laughs> cared for him. And in the end, that's what holds the family together. Because they, every Friday night they were together, they made a meal. <laughs> Did they keep Shabbos? I don't know. But their Yiddishkeit was held together by that. And he is, has tremendous gratitude. And I think we can learn from that. Everyone's a Kaylee. In the process of caring for a person, we will figure out what talks to them. But should, do we have to get it at the first try, at the second try? That ever shows us, work with the person. Our focus isn't to get it. That's not our focus. Our focus is, what does this person need? What is he open to? And everyone's a Kaylee. And I think on that, you have to go from Sirius Nefesh. That's the Sikha in a way of Maishra Rabbeinu, even if it's Avedah Zara. <laughs> Could it be also that- That's so beautiful, Esther, thank you. That maybe part of the Sirius Nefesh is when you get the pushback, you think they're ready to hear something. Saying that they're a Kaylee, but doesn't mean right now in the way that you did it. And let's say you do get the pushback and they don't want to hear what you have to say. And maybe an element of the mysterious nephews is that you don't let go of them then. That they see that you care about them no matter what. You know, that you're gonna, you're gonna stay with them. You're gonna, it'll be the same friend as if uh, we had once three couples and two of them became from, and the third, they, actually, you know, they moved away for chinuch, et cetera, et cetera. And the third couple stayed in town and they said, oh, you probably don't really care about us anymore because we're not your success stories. And so we have made a point the Dafka over the years to stay close, close, close to them more than to the other two couples even. But like, is it, is it attacking me or is it just, you know, am I your ticket to success stories? Yeah, I just wanted to add one thing. Um, Vivi, when you uh, conjure up the image of, um, Rebetzin Azimov delivering uh, that talk, that keynote. So just for those who were not there, it was uh, a very distinctive time in our history. It was in 770. It was downstairs. And um, and it was when the Chepa was already unable to talk to us. And, and maybe, maybe that's that fourth cell that's that fourth level where it's matan terror, where, where the Elyanim fuse with the Tachtainim the way they are B'Tachtainim, not the way we're elevated. In other words, the Rebbe gave us his job and, and left us with his mission, even as we're so small and so Tachtain, so limited, and, and, and gave us this. He trusted us that uh, with all of our limitations, yeah, you know, and, and, and with the curtain closed now on that balcony. Mm -hmm. Remember how we stood and we looked and we waited and we hoped. And, and, and now we know that we just have to go forward for this Rega Katan Mitzvah and And that the Rebbe fused his, his Seichel with ours, the way we are in Tachtainim. We are Taka Tachtainim. We're, we're, we're simple girls. And, uh, we all have our limitations, but um, the Rebbe trusted us. 
So we got to get this done. Brilliant, brilliant. If we take two minutes out of this whole Fabrengen um, and see everything, I think there's, there's you could Fabrengen, Fabrengen on what you just said. You know, that, that how we have to take what we experienced to be forward looking. We're not, we're not looking backwards and we're not looking forward in a vague kind of a way, but we have a very, very specific um, launching pad. Like those, those very terrible and bitter years at the same time, that is our launching pad for where, where we have to be. That it was, was kind of like the iron from which came the new yesh. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like that, uh, the seed kind of right. rotting to give birth to right. 100%. On my empty coffee cup. We should be able to fulfill the kavana. Takas ice the kavana. A wonderful Thank and you. joyous week. Everybody stay on. I just, I know I'm being called to something I said I would do 10 minutes ago. Thank you. Cold Thank time. you. Thank you.